Welcome, podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to Officially Speaking, Episode 3. Today, we're going to take the Luke Bryan tour and turn it officially into the Luke Bryan show by taking over the podcast. And to do that, I'll be bringing in my good friend, Luke Hamilton, uh, who will join myself, Brian Herzog, and we'll tell you a little bit about the travel we've been able to do this year, uh, umpiring around the world, uh, including a couple trips to Europe and uh, a more recent trip to Taipei that by the end of it ended up being a, an unintentional uh, around the world trip. And then to finish off the podcast, we'd like to bring a little accountability to the world of sports announcing. The 2-2 from Russ Center. Call strike three. Shaw down on strikes, two away. But he quick pitched him. I, I, I don't understand as a hitter how that's not a balk. We'll talk about what a quick pitch actually is, why you should know as a pitcher what your responsibilities are in this rule, and how it's affecting our youth sports today. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate so much that you'd spend part of your day with us. And I got to go find Luke so that we can get this shindig started. The Luke Bryan tour. I found Luke. Hey, guys. How, how you doing? Hanging in there. For, for those that don't know what the Luke Bryan tour is, uh, that's, that's what we're, we're about to tell them. And uh, for those that do know, I don't know who... Uh, taught my mom how to download a podcast but thanks mom appreciate you listening <laughs> so uh luke you're a flight attendant if everyone doesn't know and so where are you coming at at us today or coming at you from you know? the indianapolis of indiana indy yeah. it should be noted that the current temperature at least when i arrived i'm sure it's colder now it's 35 degrees felt like 20 and this weekend i am fixing to i guess tomorrow heading out to indiana to see my family in Indiana, northern Indiana, like up near Michigan. And so they're expecting temperatures in the single digits. The, gosh, the only time I've been to Indy was the for uh, uh, ABCA conventions, American Baseball Coaches Association. And that was the first time I've ever experienced negative temperatures. <laughs> it was incredibly brutal. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on freezing my butt off, uh, aka staying indoors so I can get ready for a weekend where my sister said, why don't we go sledding? Hold on, let me check the temperature. Never mind, the high is 7 degrees. So maybe we'll go bowling or some other indoor activity. And you no longer own clothes to go out in those temperatures. It is absolutely <laughs> the truth. I, I don't know who's picking us up from the airport because Liz will be coming home this weekend as well uh, to Indiana. And I said, whoever comes, bring the heaviest winter coats you possibly can because I got nothing. I've got a Venezuelan beanie, and that's it. I don't even have gloves. Shoot. Well, you will have an official business beanie here pretty soon. So that is. I'm actually taking taking them to the embroiderers today. So. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I got to get one before everybody else does. Those are going to be flying off the shelves. Well, you're not going to get one before everyone else does, unfortunately, because that's what we're that's what I've been kind of working on this last couple of weeks. Is uh, we have Northwest Baseball Umpires Association training coming up on. February 9th and 16th. So I've had a lot of fun working with that. All my instructors will, will get those beanies. So I'm sorry that you're not first, but you also can't make it. You got to work. I understand. Yeah. So we will be uh, getting the drone out to capture a lot of this uh, training for NBUA and the same drone that we've had on, uh, well, the same drone that we had on our last trip. But I, as Luke will tell you, I, I've sunk a couple drones. So the one that was backed off of the white cliffs of dover that one is 
a carcass now sitting in my living room. We have a new drone, but that one, that one will be out getting training on social media. And then we'll have a lot more video coordination uh, of the classroom stuff so we can get that out on the official business page as well. So we can get as much training out to really umpires across the world since Luke and I've been traveling so much. It's been Luke's flying that has spurred all this Luke Bryan tour travel to start with. We met, um, we met back in 2007. And uh, what, do you remember what city you were coming through that I was working in, in the South Atlantic league? You were your first day in Hickory, North Carolina. And you I, got to... I remember I went in and it was a one game somewhere. And then I went off to the next city. I can, I can never remember what city that I ended up seeing you in. I'm headed down to the Gulf Coast League for my first season. I'm traveling with my best buddy, uh, Brandon Westmark, but college roommate and so on. And uh, he's he's driving down with me and flying back. And um, I knew Chris Siegel, who was your partner. He was working the bases that night. Yes. And so I wanted to see him and and uh, say hi. And you just happened to be a byproduct of of coming to coming to visit. And That's how I meet most of my friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Just a byproduct Happy accident. of who they really wanted to see. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, as it were, um, I don't know if we did anything that night. We just stopped by to see the game, say hi afterwards. And I think we went on our merry way. Like we might've driven through the night or something. I don't know, but I think you were on a, I think you were doing a lot, like trying to pack more of that driving in that night. If I remember yeah. correctly, but good old Hickory, North Carolina. Never got the privilege of working a game there, but sure did get to see Brian Herzog's first plate job in the Sally. Yeah, How it was did it. Was that okay. It, well, it inspired me, uh, like I did for so <laughs> many Gulf Coast League guys myself when I was in the Florida State League. Uh, guys would see me work, like I got to see you work, and I was like, "Really? If he can do it, I can do it." Yeah, so, yeah that was, makes sense. Yep. It was really good. It was really good. We've, we've blossomed so <laughs> many careers, you and I, from just our on the field performance. World's okay, sure. I am okay. Um, <laughs> and then I think probably the next time I got to see you was uh, was one of the Calling for Christ retreats. I know, I think I hit uh, five, maybe six of those retreats. I remember getting my five-year jacket, though, nice. uh, or pullover. And uh, how many of those did you hit? I know we hit a, a couple together, at least. Yeah, I was, I was every other year. It was even years or odd years, but I went for three years. And definitely knew that, that I had that connection with you because maybe it was yeah. 2012 that we went because then it was the following winter that we went to winter ball together. But that was probably my second one I went to. Well, winter ball was 2011-12. Yeah, let's, that that. let's start over with that one because I have my dates all messed up. <laughs> that was the, uh, the time where we really spent a lot of time together. Obviously, you have to rooming together. But uh, when we both went to Venezuela, I remember that because it was – uh, the Texas League playoffs that I found out on the drive between, let's see, we went from San Antonio to Little Rock, and uh, we had had a we had had a twenty inning game with Brandon Misha behind the plate the day before. Yikes! And yeah, yeah it was great uh, during the championship round. So there, there's nowhere to go. There's no makeup date to be had. There's no. <laughs> um, uh, I remember that there was there was going to be no stopping that game, and then the next day I found out it was going to Venezuela and. Shortly after, found out uh, you know you were coming too. So yeah. uh, and so we had what three months, three months together in that. So we had four cities we'd stay right there for, in Caracas, and then uh, or four, four teams that we would we would uh, commute to, and then four that we would actually fly to the other cities. So, and obviously Travis and Sean. Yeah, 
Well, yeah, Sean was the pool boy, let's be honest. He was. So after Venezuela, you spent a few more years in the game, and I spent a few more years in the game. And so you had – when you exited minor league baseball, that was so – you, you spent seven years, and how soon did you – how soon did you become a flight attendant? Yeah, no, my last year was the 2013. Uh, that fall, you know, and you kind of know as you people do who are in the game, like they're either looking at you or they're not. And at Double A, yeah. they don't they don't hide anything. So I knew they were kind of scraping to find things, and uh, so I knew that it was going to be tough to go on. And the guy, pretty, I mean, I asked him point blank, but you know, the supervisor pretty much told me, Luke, it's not looking good. For, for next year, like nothing to mm-hmm. guarantee. So I already started applying. I want to say immediately after the season, in September, uh, I started applying as a flight attendant. And I think releases came out in October sometime. I do not remember the dates, but it had to have been the first part of October. For context, too, so because I, I'm assuming we're going to have umpires, fans, players, coaches, every single demographic listening at some point to, to this podcast. So umpires as they go up we we can't do the same thing as players we can't just go back down to double a and then back up to triple a or down from double a to a ball and then back up to double a you know we go up or out after three years so you essentially get three years at each level and there's a little bit leeway for that because it they don't want to i guess put you in a corner if if for some reason you, you rank really close to being moved up but there's just not that much movement that year but Essentially, we have three years up or out. You're going to go up, or you're going to be released. It's as simple as that. So, yeah. But, so, uh, I was, so you you I, went into. I just finished my interview, uh, my mm-hmm. face-to-face interview in Dallas with American, and so it, it was. Let's say it was a Friday, and at, toward the end of October, somewhere in the middle of the season, there was a group with uh, like 15 or 20 of us that they go down to Turks and Caicos in in Providencialis, um, in the islands, and so do my interview. At American, it was I was sick as a dog. My nose was running all over the place, and I was like, "Well, not going to get this interview. May as well just go have fun with it." And it ended up being one of the best days of my life. It was a lot of fun. But then, uh, yeah, flew to flew to Atlanta, and that following Tuesday, um, down in Turks and Caicos, and I think I slept the first two days, like my ear was blocked and everything else. Following Tuesday, I get a fax from American that says you're hired, and uh, Justin Clem called and released me, and so. Is a, it, was, it wasn't even a sad day because I got to tell you, I mean, it's just one month into my job at American, I'm in Amsterdam watching a, uh, a ladies European golf tournament, and I'm like, even if I was in the big leagues, it's May. I, I, my life is so much better right now. So for me, yeah, I think everybody should be a flight attendant. Big, big league umpire is not a bad gig either. Don't get me wrong, but. And then I was released the next year, 2014. And uh, I just spent, I did my three years at A ball, three years at double A, three years at triple A. And, you know, as you know, the bottleneck just gets tighter the higher you go. And I remember the day I was released, had the idea of starting official, I had no idea the name of it, but starting official business company that now I work on that just trying to bring this umpire's view over to player development, this side of things over to player development. And then in the process, of course, I've learned so much about player development that has helped me bring some training back over to umpires. And uh, and even, even some of the, when we talk about A.J. Przinsky later this podcast, uh, not being on point with his rules knowledge on a quick pitch, or what he calls a quick pitch, you know, that's even some of the stuff that I want to bring for just through official business because that's the stuff that 
now that I kind of I'm on the front lines or I see the umpires on the front lines at these youth tournaments across the country, that's the kind of stuff that I hear the same uh, rules knowledge or lack of rules knowledge spewed at these tournaments, and it and it causes a lot of these arguments that then escalate to a lot of the larger situations that you see across social media and whatnot. And it's it's amazing that you hear the same verbiage that came out of AJ Przinsky's mouth or Joe Bucks or or Alex Rodriguez or something like that, and and people just take it as as scripture. This is one big reason why we're losing umpires across the country is because of all this uh, abuse at the youth levels uh, of umpires and uh, new umpires coming into the game, you know, 15, 16 years old, and you know they're not supposed to be good yet; they're just learning. You know what I mean? And and they're they're umpiring a 10 year old game, and it's amazing the arguments that are started um, over. First of all, they're like 10 u games, and that should not be the point of this game. It, it, it should be child development, not you know. Yeah, I do believe you're right. The, I don't even think the announcers, I don't care what sport it is, realize how much influence and impact they have over yeah. the people watching. Yeah. And it, they don't even have to have an impressive resume. It doesn't have to be like the John Smoltz who has, you know, Cy Young's and World Series. It could be the Joe Buck. And so, yeah. you know, even if it's a situation of a, a close play, oh, man, I think he was out or safe, to, oh, man, they messed that rule up or what have you. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of influence that I don't even think those guys realize the impact that they have. From there, enough about official business right now, but from there, you – had always made it known to me that you have a registered companion pass and that normally goes to a spouse. But you know, since you're not married, you, you had another friend on it. You said, hey, whenever whenever it's time, whenever whenever this works for you, you know, I'd love to put you on that pass for, for about a year and um, travel across the country, travel across the world. We didn't really know it would result in so many different, in, so much different international travel that we've been able to to do, but um, when you transferred that pass over to me for the first time was when we went to Europe uh, for the first time for Finkston Ball 20 in Austria. That, that was a really fun trip. So that was uh, June of 2017. Yeah, I think it was like right, it was June 1st because uh, I remember yeah. it was right around May 31st, something like that. The year before, I, in, in 2016, I was headed to um, Edinburgh, Scotland. I was flying there on my own time because I was going to see the British Open in St. Andrews. Mm-hmm. And so I got a hold of one of our friends now, Thomas Haywood, who uh, we met originally at umpire school at Jim Evans Academy. And I said, hey, man, I'm going to be in town. Are you going to be around? And he said, no, I'm going to be in London uh, that weekend umpire in baseball. And I was like, you know, I, I've been flight attendant now for, well, several years, and I really haven't done a uh, ton of umpiring. I just remember getting a hold of him. I was like, man, I'd love to umpire with you. That'd be that'd be great. So that fall, he hooked me up with uh, the Finnish National Finals in Helsinki. I flew out there and got to umpire with him and, and a, a local guy who was uh, just getting into umpiring. And we worked like game three and four or something like that of, the, of their finals. And then uh, the following year, that spring, he had me uh, come out to Austria for this big deal and got me hooked up with Philip Dressler and and uh, Atnong team, and um, yeah, it was just a great, grand old time. So then the following year, I was like, hey, I got this guy. He doesn't know much how to 
umpire baseball, but you know he can not really. fill, fill out a uniform and uh, I can fill out a uniform, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So, too much these days. <laughs> yeah, I said world's okay at umpire, and they didn't know how to translate that in Swiss as well as Austrian. So they did it in German, and it worked out. But uh, yeah, we got you out there that year. That was that was how it started in terms of our first trip out. You've been traveling with your base gear ever since, because it just doesn't make sense not to. Pretty much. I, I, mean, <laughs> I have right? I have worked I worked the British National Finals the last year, and I just. Told the guys, listen, I'll bring my base gear, and and they had different levels, uh, different age groups of the British National mm-hmm. Finals, and I worked my way around the bases, and it was all in a layover. Like I was getting paid, I had like a 34-hour layover in London, and, and just umpired the whole time with uh, I mean, Gabor. Yeah, what a good way to see the world and <laughs> and just umpire wherever now. But oh, that was with Gabor. You just said yeah, Gabor. Uh, is that the first time you me. met him, or no? I met him at uh, at. Uh, in Austria, the first time. Thinks about, oh, yeah. Thinks about that's when, I, that's gotcha. when I met him. So Thomas was my only connection there. And then, you know, obviously I met Eddie and Gabor and Thomas Schwartz, basically all the guys that you know um, mm-hmm. that you've met. And so, yeah, that was my introduction to them. Previous to that, I didn't know anybody. So Gabor Erdos, we had Thomas Haywood, obviously, Thomas Watts, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie Fannin. Eddie is just fun. Oh, that's who you missed, Mika. Mika, Mika, Mika. Mika. <laughs> Mika from Finland, who is absolutely sick of um, the are you finished jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but Luke and I just can't stop with, with the puns and with the, oh my goodness. He, uh, he, he does. He has such a great heart. I guess, you know what, I, I didn't misspeak. I did meet him. I didn't umpire with him, but I met him in Finland that first fall, I guess it would have been 15. And then, so in between Thinks About 20 and then this year, Thinks About 21, you you relocated or were, was it relocated or were you reassigned? Yeah. To, is, that, I, is that your call or is that American's call? It is, call? correct. Yeah, I, I always put in my transfer when I, and so it's it's voluntary. Um, and it, honestly, I did not get my transfer to Miami the first time I put it in. So I decided to wait three months so I didn't have to be on reserve back-to-back months. But, yeah, when I finally relocated, I guess that was – so do we come down here the end of May? May sounds right. I did have that written down somewhere, but I can't quite remember. Must, um, yeah. and that's, so that's actually where the Luke Bryan tour started because we were just having fun. I, I flew into – I can't remember where I flew into because we were shooting for one city as you came down the East Coast. It's Philly or then, Baltimore. Maybe it's Baltimore. Yeah. So we I, I joined you in one of those cities, and we kept going down the East Coast. And – when we hit the Florida Georgia line, I was just, I remember just like saying, oh, watch this. This will be fun. So I just, I, I threw out, you know, hashtag Luke Bryan tour meets hashtag Florida Georgia line or, or something like that. And so that's, that's when we first used the hashtag for just kind of for funsies, you know. And, and then I was like, well, you know, if you know much about social media metrics, you know, like on Instagram, you can just follow that hashtag. So we'll keep using that when we travel. And, the next, um, I'll be honest, I'm still a little shaky in the metrics, but I, I believe you when you talk. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I don't worry about it. You're just, you're, you're, you're the front man. You're, you're just kind of a hype guy. You're just a pretty face. So, yeah, I yes, get it. Absolutely. <laughs> but, so, and then the next, it, it, this is great because we grew from 2017. So 2018, thanks to the ball, we were actually to add through uh, Gabor Erdos, 
uh, at another tournament in London, uh, just right on the backside. And we were able to add uh, my wife, Bonnie, to the trip and your your girlfriend, uh, Liz, to the trip. So that ended up being two, two, two and a half weeks, maybe. Uh, it was a pretty big trip in late May and June. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. This was a pretty big trip. And we got and we got to expand at the point. So we, we did our thing with Finch the Ball 21. We spent our time down in Hallstatt, which is where we go for a couple of days, a few days after the Finch the Ball tournament. Mostly because um, there's a then, lake and mountains, and it's freaking gorgeous. That's when we started. So I brought I brought the podcast mic along. I, I, I remember I bought a 3-axis gimbal so we could get a little more video. Of course, I had the drone with me so that we could take drone footage of the tournament and then move on to England. And so since we you know, brought the podcast mic along and, and thought it might be fun to do, we went down to Hallstatt, and then we... Uh, we're able to to get a lot of audio as we did some some at dinner some um, some uh, up at the top of uh, uh, let's see five fingers we're about six over six thousand feet up being able to look back down on uh, uh, on Hallstatt. Yeah, we I mean, we got a lot of audio which is hilarious because of all the accents. Um, yeah, and that's why I really the, wanted to bring it that trip. Yeah, and the and the puns. I mean, good grief, Eddie and Thomas and those guys are just like king of puns, which fit in well with us. But very funny. The the video. I mean, not only breathtaking, but when people get to see the video, that's just that'll be able to explain a lot better. So then, at the end of Hallstatt, then we talked with Thomas a little uh, on the microphone, and because uh, Thomas isn't shy from it, he he loves to talk on it, and so we we love talking with him. He, I guess, more than. Some of the others, I can understand him better. So there's not as heavy as and, so. and he's the guy from Scotland, so go figure. Yeah, exactly. Here's a little of what we have from, I guess we're leaving, uh, if I remember correctly, we're leaving Hallstatt and we're just sitting looking over the lake and talking a little bit about Finkston Balls. I feel that next year the Luke and Brian tour should uh, go to another Austrian town potentially because we, we've been to Hallstatt several years and uh, okay. t- t- time to have a look at somewhere different. And, yeah. uh, you know, like I know one or two places where we, you could be a total kid and go on one of those summer luges and they go down, down the hill in yes. the summer and um, yes. let's just say all the giggles and the what have you. You know, it's a good laugh. It's a good wind down after yes. Finkston Ball. You know? I'd definitely say someplace new next year because this place is starting to look ugly. And I don't <laughs> think I can do another year of it. Well, if you're back from that... Hopefully we have some better audio quality for you. We had a fun time out of Hallstatt and uh, from there we just went over to, uh, finished up that part of the trip, went over to uh, Munich and flew to London for the, uh, oh shoot, what was the name of that? ISSTs. I still don't know what the, the acronym stands for. No, we did the here. ISST tournament in, in London. And uh, what were those, about 13-year-old, 13, 14-year-old uh, games, Luke? Yeah, I would say that's about right. Junior high. Okay, that's what I. Yeah, and we had a lot of there was a lot of American kids on every team, even though they had we had. I remember Egypt, and I looked through a couple of my lineup cards, but there's a lot of I don't believe it was servicemen and women's kids, but uh, there were a lot of was it State Department families no, that kind of traveled and. I believe that's correct, isn't it? I mean, it's a combination that? of that and military kids. Was it military as well? It could have been. I, I, I just remembered State Department. I thought I had put military in, in my 
in my own head, or maybe that was part of that. It could have been a combination, but there were kids from the the countries that were representing, obviously, plus uh, plus some kids, uh, U.S. kids that were traveling, so um, or stationed over there with their parents, rather. But uh, that was fun because we got to uh, we got to head out to London after we did our double headers in the morning and got to see a ton of that via bike. Uh, and you and Luke was kind of our guide on that. You remember where you took us on that? Yeah, we did a little little bike tour. We started in in Hyde Park, and then uh, just bike rentals two pounds for twenty four hours. It's kind of hard to beat that. And, yeah, that was pretty uh, amazing. We would be too. We just guess we went to Hyde Park, went down to Buckingham Palace, and uh, I remember you rode through the park. Was that Hyde Park <laughs> when you rode through there and we lost you because you weren't supposed to be riding in there? Yeah, because it's to do the proper thing and not have everyone go like, "Oh, stupid Americans," you know. <laughs> so I remember that much. Not one to follow. <laughs> be associated with you at that moment. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It was uh, right in the middle. There's a park splits up like that. So, gotcha. It's, that 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 construction area is kind of nuts. But yeah, you're right. Because I would the light turn red or something, and I just went ahead and went. Because no, I didn't think any cars were coming. Yeah, and then I think on the other side of the street, you just kind of tore off into it, and you were beyond shouting distance from that point, even on my best umpire voice. So. <laughs> the three of your mirrors weren't working on my bike that well either. So I'm going to send a harshly worded email that all their bikes need rear mirrors now. <laughs> so um, so that, was, that was a ton of fun, though. We got to hang out with Gabber Moore uh, because he lives over there, and he was, he was over in uh, Austria with us for both of these – uh, last couple tournaments, Fingston Ball tournaments, and um, and then who else? Thomas was working that with us, and then uh, oh, then we had Sam. Yeah, we uh, who we got to meet up. We traveled. Got with to us. meet up with Sam for dinner that one night. That was pretty cool. And he he did the transformation. He had that beard during uh, during oh, Austria, yeah. and so then we're waiting at Piccadilly circus piccadilly circus waiting at that circus there which is a circus waiting there for him (laughs) and we're like oh where is this guy and we hear a familiar voice and still not recognizing who it is and all of a sudden oh uh, it's you santa you shaved yeah he looks uh he looks stunning there man with no kidding that shaved face i didn't i didn't recognize him dapper uh, sand so that yeah and yeah you can i mean you can we have an audio clip from sam you can lead us right after that if you want because he He's pretty awesome. He, I, I loved traveling with him. He's not an umpire, but uh, it was he loved learning about that a little bit, and we loved learning about what he did because uh, he actually worked for the Royal uh, uh, Charity. Is it their charity? Was correct? Yes, he he does charity. He basically yeah. does all sorts of stuff with uh, charity work. That's why he gets a paycheck. But he has such a way of telling stories. Phenomenal storyteller, mm-hmm. and uh, so the story, of the clip that we got at dinner. He tells of where he used to do, uh, who used to raise money for. It, keep in mind, we we met him for dinner in London, but um, we had just come from Windsor Castle that day, and mm-hmm. Windsor Castle is way west of town, out near Slough, where we were working. But it's also near Heathrow, and that's obviously the yes. busiest airport. Sam tells the story better than anyone. I um I used to go there quite often. I used to work for um. For a royal charity, so I work for the uh, for a, what now? a royal royal charity. So I work for. The... Now, is it easier to park there? Like, you drive out there or take the train? I take the train, just easier, and it's all walkable. I'm just being... But 
we often had events on at Windsor Castle. So I worked for the Prince, Prince Charles's charity, and then for Prince Philip's. Yeah. And we used to do these evenings. They weren't fundraising, so you can't do fundraising in a in the Royal Palace. But we'd do thank you dinners. And I once had this, we once had this big, big dinner. It was about £10,000 a table, so kind of fairly hefty entry price. And uh, some lovely American couple. I'm just showing them through the, the great hall and the throne room and this and that. And they look out the window and it's got this beautiful view below the slough and that part of it, which is kind of obviously a lot more modern. And just as we're chatting, a plane goes overhead, and the, the old lady says to me, It's such a shame they build it on the flight path. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a shame. It is a shame. It, and what do you say? What can you say? Yeah. You just have so to what say, did yeah. You say? I, 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 I said Agreed. exactly what Luke said. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> a real, real shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so i don't know why they build all these amazingly ancient buildings on the flight pass and runways i mean think about it yeah all, 1100 yeah all over the 11th century all over the world <laughs> tell you what <laughs> yeah he's uh he's sam's so fun so <laughs> but that is uh Again, that's why I didn't want to come off as a stupid American. Uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, I think we show a lack of geography in a lot of our talk, uh, for one. Um, and that's something that Luke gets to do a lot with his travel and, and interact with uh, different cultures. And um, but now we get to umpire different cultures. But that's that's a fine example of uh, typical American. Oh, <laughs> so, truly. So from there, uh, we went down to southeast uh, England and... Got a little Airbnb in Kent, took the drone out, but there wasn't too much around there. Just gorgeous, uh, you know, countryside and whatnot. And then the next day, so the next day was Dover. And that, uh, if you've seen our little teaser video for the Luke Bryan show on on uh, YouTube, uh, the little part that shows uh, right after Luke pulls down his pants and, and moons you all, uh, the next scene should be me and we drop that drop that drone right off the back of uh, the White Cliffs of Dover. Uh, and then you can see France across the way. So that was pretty amazing. And then uh, uh, Luke loves his castle. So we always, you know, we saw Dover Castle there too as well, of course. Yeah, did we see Leeds? We saw Leeds Castle before that? We did. That's right. We did see. Was that the day before? Was that on the way to uh, Kent? Man, I can't remember if we did it all one day or not. I have to go back and check my diary. Probably. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I moved it. No, oh, I'll tell you what. I moved your diary. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, made the trek over to Portsmouth, which is South, uh, Southwest England the next day hung out. We we're going to try and see a castle if we could do this all in one day, but really at the, by the end of the day, we, we couldn't get to the castle we wanted. And so we just finally hung out for the day, had some lunch and, and end the day, uh, by driving up to Stonehenge, which was probably a couple, couple few hours, uh, away from where we were at, the, at that time. It's Stonehenge. It's there, but man, you get there, and that's a long walk too. You get out there, and, um, you know, downer for me. You know, they they don't want drones over. Um, you know, I mean, what are those like? You know, a few decades old or something like that. I mean, they've been there a long time, right? Yeah, I can't remember which flight path they're under, <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty right. sure that, you know any national landmark like that they'll probably build an airport sometime soon. Maybe it's Gatwick there nearby. It's cool because of the history behind it. And or what's known or the made up history, whatever you want to say, but 
it's a walk, but I do love that it's just like, okay, fields, okay, sheep, okay, rolling meadows. Oh, what Mm -hmm. is this? And then when we drove back through, after we'd seen it already, you could kind of see it from the highway or the little road that we were driving on. Mm -hmm. So it's not anywhere near a big city necessarily. So it's not something that would be like, oh, today I'm going to work. Oh, there's Stonehenge. They still still haven't finished the foundation of the house type thing. (laughs) Right. Talk about running out of money. So anyway, so then uh, we, I mean, our trip back from there was uh, those weren't uneventful either, but we'll go into them later on the, uh, the actual podcast we do that breaks down kind of each one of these trips. Cause we, I plan on doing one each time uh, we're going to launch a a Luke Bryan tour episode uh, on the Luke Bryan show YouTube channel. So we'll, we'll cover that a lot later, but we had to, uh, Bonnie and I went up to, to Dublin for uh, a couple of days and I uh, took her there for a birthday and we kind of finished the trip by ourselves. And then you guys came back out of, uh, from London and that was ended up being the end of that one. And then it was, so that was the beginning of June, I believe. And then the middle of July is when our next one came around. Uh, where we were going to head to uh, Taipei for the International Rubber Baseball Tournament. International Rubber Ball Tournament, that's what it was, IRBO. But, uh, but we had some stuff before that happened, and uh, Luke came up uh, the middle of July for an Umpscare golf tournament, uh, the All-Star Break Tournament that Trip Gibson and Mike Malinsky put on. And then we went, down, uh, we went back down to the California Collegiate League uh, we've been there a little bit before and to umpire the prospects game, which is their all-star game. That was a ton of fun. And then we both went over to Florida and I worked a few games. Luke took a few days off and didn't do anything. I'm pretty sure trying to get out of Florida was a task. Long story short, I ended up having to take a bus down to Miami from uh, Orlando where I was. And we got on flights over to LA and then over to Taipei, excuse me, over to Hong Kong and then up to Taipei. And, uh, but we had to fight a lot of weather coming out of there. Yeah. You, and, every uh, flight out of Orlando was booked. Yeah. Like we tried to get you Charlotte in Dallas, Chicago. It didn't matter. And even get down to yeah. Miami of any sort, just no chance. That storm just kind of ruined everything. And I sat there and watched 43 open seats, which is a huge, huge number. Like there's, I booked this because there was plenty of room, man. I could not believe it. I just saw him dwindle all the way down to a negative number, which, you know, as a, as a standby, you're not going to get on at that point. So. Um, but huge, I want to say a huge thank you to Scooter Morrison, Adam Bates, Eric Steiner, and, and then especially John Dowdy, because I, I did all this at his place. Uh, he just lives less than 10 minutes from the airport. Those guys are such a huge help, especially John, for letting me to stay there on short notice while, uh, while the weather sorted itself out in relation to our flights. So Yeah, so if anybody's interested in non-rev travel, um, it comes down to the genius of Liz trying to find a Greyhound bus to get you down to Miami. <laughs> To then make the flight to LA, yeah, and then to, on the Hong yeah. Kong. But I can tell you, on on the front end of a uh, Florida to LAX to Hong Kong to Taipei trip, it was really awesome to add four more hours of driving on a bus <laughs> on the very front end of that trip. I mean, you everybody has a life goal of riding on the Greyhound. I mean, I just hear that from everyone, and you're able to tick that box, no problem. You've done it. Uh so for, I did that in high school. For all, I had a long-distance girlfriend, so I did that in high school. For all those other people out there who just have that life goal to go Greyhound, talk to Brian Herzog. He's your man. Good. 
no, talk to Liz. That's true. Talk to Liz. She, she's your booking agent. Yeah. She's, she set that up for me. She's my booking agent. Yeah. Um, big whopping 0% commission. <clears throat> Sorry about that. But uh, so um, when we get to Taipei, that was a pretty fun experience. We had no idea what to expect, though, because, uh, I mean, this is a rubber baseball tournament. And we had we had been um, we had been sent pictures of what the baseball looked like. But I, I, I did not know what to expect. Yeah. Once we got out in the field and got going uh, again, the whole experience of doing all this, it was 95 degrees. Humidity was around 150 to 180 percent. And there was zero, and I mean zero wind. So me, coming from summer in Florida, where it's 85 and humid, but you get a slight breeze, I felt like I was cooking. And when I came back, I almost put a sweatshirt on at 85 degrees. I kid you not. Yeah, that was was the best. I mean, I've worked in New Orleans in July, and I would have taken that over – Taipei in well July I guess but that was uh, that was pretty that was something and I and I'm from Seattle so that's you're coming from there to you know well I was coming from Florida I guess but I my body is you know conditioned to Seattle weather so that but that so this tournament uh, what well, yeah once we got going it was it was great and we got to work uh, a bunch of six man and a lot of the guys wanted to to hop on and 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 have an opportunity to work in this tournament uh, stadium's not very full by a long shot but um, but they're televised back home for everyone, which you know, of course all the teams and, and all the umpires, uh, everyone uh, was aware of. So this is the the third, uh, yeah, this is the third tournament that they had. So it's very much both in in, in Austria and in Taipei. I mean, baseball is very much in in its infancy, so it's very different conditions than than you would work in the U.S. and and we're kind of fighting for different things in different countries, you know. So it's it's really fun to get our, our finger on the pulse of baseball worldwide at this point uh, in our travels. And, and hopefully that'll just expand next year. Do you have any fun there? Uh, between the pouring sweat, uh, I did enjoy that we got a halftime in between games. If your game went longer oh, than right. if it went a full seven innings, which they had run rules there that were pretty awesome as well. And so sometimes you have lopsided scores, but if you did go uh, past the fourth inning, they pull you off the field for 10 minutes. You go sit in the air conditioning while they, drag the field and both teams are in the dugouts and you come back and I guess it was five minutes or so. It wasn't maybe a full 10, but yeah, that was, a, that was a nice surprise. We're like, where's yeah. everybody going? Uh, it's halftime, bro. Let's go. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's not, sure. that's yeah. not a very good translation. I don't think they necessarily say it's halftime, bro in Taiwan, but maybe they will now. Our, getting home from there. We'll go into this again in detail in future episodes, but this was something that I've uh, never really dreamt about doing, but I'm glad I had it have it under my belt now. But we we woke up at I think 5:30 uh, Taipei time to leave for the airport and got out the door. Got to the airport, had a rough time at the airport. They left. They saved yeah. two middle seats in main cabin, 20 rows from each other for you and I. And we still synced up, pitch perfect three to watch together. We yeah, we had to finish our movie, of course, because it's right, our exactly. travel movie now. what? (laughs) so that when we get we get from taipei to hong kong we had about a 12 hour layover i think and then we weren't going to be able to get on 
multiple flights. We had to walk to multiple ends of the airport, um, back and forth, crossing back over paths that we had already gone, long treks on. And it became clear to us that we probably were not going to get home via the traditional route of going from Hong Kong to somewhere on the West Coast. Uh, a couple flights that were... Uh, what were they? Oh, they were, they were, they had open seats, but they were weight limit. And they took two looks at the, you know, one look at the two American guys and they were like, well, we're at weight limit. We're not going to put those two guys on. We can get four other people on. <laughs> so no, we, I want to deny that. So we got, we got stuck there. I want to deny this story, but it's true. <laughs> we got stuck there and finally decided that somehow going around the other, uh, the other way around the world was the best way to guarantee us getting home. So we had to pony up for a hotel room. And then we went from Hong Kong. The next day went from Hong Kong to London, sitting middle seat and window seat. And then London to Chicago. That one, we were lucky. We got business class on. And then in Chicago, we split ways and I went to Seattle and, and you went back down to, uh, to Miami. And that's, kind of where that one ended but that was that ended up being a from door to door from our hotel room door in taipei to my apartment door was a 76 hour travel day so a lot of people want to focus in on that business class and go oh man you're just living the life and that that's great when it happens but you got to be willing to play both sides of that coin and uh luke and i were talking at one point and and we we felt we had gotten away with a lot of stuff like we shouldn't have made we shouldn't have made that flight you know we shouldn't have made that flight and somehow the the last two open seats were business class, you know, and it just kind of started piling up and all came together on this, just us trying to get home from this last trip. So that's, that's where we went into, in 2018. Um, we're working on some of our travel plans. We had just been talking earlier today, actually, on some of our plans for, for 2019. We had a request uh, to hit Prague, actually. So that's, that means it's the perfect segue to our, uh, official fact check of the day bingo bingo i don't even know if people get that but we'll go into something <laughs> the two-two from russian call strike three shaw down on strikes two away quick pitch he quick pitched him slider locked up shaw but he quick pitched him. I, I, I don't understand, as a hitter, how that's not a balk. You're not supposed to be able to change your motion to affect base runners, but you can change your motion to affect hitters. Shaw's going back in the in the dugout saying, man, he quick pitched me on that. He hit, he's had a slower, higher leg kick, and then all of a sudden, with two strikes, he goes with this one. And it just completely throws you off as a hitter. I just don't understand. I know the rules are the rules, but how is that not a balk? Or something is cheating. <laughs> David? Well, blocks are for base runners, not for hitters. <laughs> and this is, it's not a balk because it's not a quick pitch. And moving quicker than a previous delivery or even quicker than the first part of your delivery doesn't have anything to do with what a quick pitch is. So it's, did the pitcher wait until the batter was reasonably set before he started his motion? Yes. The, that's it. That's your answer. It was legal. So... To, because we want to provide some value and some information to the announcers, 
to uh, everyone listening, your, your batters and your, and your pitchers and your coaches and stuff like that. Um, we want to be able to give rule references so they can go back and, and, and actually see for themselves where it's at and kind of see somehow uh, where you might be cherry picking from to think, oh, he has to only be in the batter's box or something like that. So uh, rule, rule 602A5 uh, and the comment below it, umpires will judge a quick pitch as one delivered before the batter is reasonably set in the batter's box. The quick pitch is dangerous and should not be permitted. Now, so I want to make a special note to, to every single pitcher out there um, who, well, in the pitching coaches and the head coaches, uh, or even parents yelling about calls like this from the stands at the at the lower levels. Uh, basically, anyone who's ever argued with an umpire is, is if he's stopped the pitcher mid-delivery uh, because of this rule. Uh, I'd like to, and I, I'm trying to help uh, cut out some arguments uh, at scale here. So hopefully this will el- eliminate some arguments for my umpires around the country. And But for the pitchers, this rule actually makes it your your responsibility, not just my own, and not just umpires to understand when it's legal to start your delivery. So any umpire who stopped you uh, in, in your motion because you're about to commit a quick pitch has successfully saved you from an illegal pitch. And for us, it's very often followed by an argument. So with, with runners on base, he's now prevented you from committing a balk. Uh, and we very often get those arguments when, uh, I mean, in reality, look at whose responsibility it is and, and a thank you I think you would have been just fine, you know, and, and seems more appropriate, really. But uh, it doesn't say the batter needs to be in the box, even if that's the part of the rule you want to you know, concentrate on or the part of the rule that you were taught. You don't get to pick and choose those. It, it states that it needs to have the opportunity to be reasonably set. And, and yeah, these arguments are still commonplace, the professional and, and NCAA levels. Now I'm kind of to the point where I don't give the pitcher a second chance if he wants to step off the rubber and start arguing with me over saving him from committing an illegal pitch. But I don't know. Do you handle a different way? No, I think that's a great way to put it in perspective. And I was just going to point out that I don't care what level of baseball you're doing. Everybody knows when the batter is reasonably set or reasonably ready. There's that point where he's looking and he's ready to hit the pitch. That's when the pitcher starts his windup. I I understand Ray J's coming from and why he's upset because as a batter, I mean, it caught him off guard. And Mm -hmm. – but he was within the rules. He didn't start his windup until the batter was reasonably set. And so therefore, mm-hmm. how, you know, what's wrong with that? As a batter, you've you yeah. got to be ready to go. Uh, pitchers yeah. are always going to do- vary and, their windups like they vary their times that they stop when they become set with runners on base to kind of like not have the same timing to throw runners off so they can't time them up just like batters can. Yeah. So. There are legal ways to throw timing off and there are illegal ways to do it. And, you know, Every time somebody says, uh, if I try and throw out there, you know, what is a balk? And people go, oh, deceiving the runner. That's not true. There are plenty of legal ways to deceive the runner. There are plenty of illegal ways. And if you commit one of the illegal, uh, try and use one of those methods to do it, I'm going to ding you on a balk. Every fan, parent, and in this case, commentator, they have this knowledge or understanding of how baseball is supposed to be played at different levels. I've been umpire, I've been managing or coaching whatever this game for 30 years. And I've never heard of a runner's lane violation, you know, or whatever a common call might be. And you enforce it like it's supposed to be enforced. And, and they're just miffed at this rule that you just made up. So it's trying mm-hmm. to maybe draw awareness that don't take whatever an announcer says as gospel. 
understand that please respect, you know, the announcers and the coaches and umpires who have been doing this for a long time. But that doesn't mean that whatever they say is gospel just because they've been doing it for a long time. We're trying to bring awareness to this uh, and probably the most influential people, I would say some of them are commentators, whether it be for any sport at all. So when it comes to their opinion of officiating and what the call should have been or what have you, most people will be talking about it at the bar or at home or wherever they watch the game and say, yep, the official missed that call because Troy Aikman said so. And Troy Aikman, I think is, you know, a good announcer and does what he's supposed to do and, and is, and very well respected, but that doesn't mean that he's a, a rules expert. It's a different skill set and, and, and craft to hone. You know, I think most, uh, most coaches at the, at the youth level still are, are relying on, I, I know I was until I became an umpire, uh, are relying on rules that they heard uh, in their very young days and no one ever told them any different. And so that's just, they don't see it very often. And so that's what they've been taught. You might be the first guy to call this against them. And, uh, and so they got to pop off with what they think is the correct rule on that. But yeah, I think the point is like Luke said at the beginning, and this is why we want to do this type of segment on a regular basis. It hurts the game at the lower levels of youth baseball. So our, our umpire shortage, it's caused in large part by the escalating abuse doled out by the youth sports parents. And, our numbers are dwindling and games are having to be rescheduled and, and even canceled because of it. So it's just the kids that, that really suffer from that. And we, Luke and I, we are on the front lines and we hear the same terminology uh, that gets used on the air out of coaches and parents that uh, at the youth level. So, yeah, I think, I think we need to put, you know, a, a strong onus on, on announcers because uh, I think they're responsible for, they're, they're responsible for talking to such a wide array of people. And then we see these people that use the same terminology in these different, uh, in these different settings. And that's the kind of stuff that hopefully we can just provide some insight on uh, as we move forward. And the, uh, well, as we, as we get to the end here anyways, and I was about to say it, if you listen to us on anchor, uh, you can actually uh, call in to us with questions to the show by clicking the message link in the upper right hand corner of the podcast profile. And then you can just, leave a message as a call in and we can answer your questions. So if you have rules questions like that, uh, or you have a fact check that you want us to do, we plan on doing that on here on the podcast and over on our, uh, I guess I'll call it companion piece to Luke Bryan show YouTube channel. Yeah. Well, here comes our losing. You can hear us playing us, playing us off. Oh boy. Riding off into the sunset. <laughs> you can subscribe to the podcast by heading over to your favorite podcast platform apple spotify breaker Castbox, overcast you can subscribe to the hashtags luke brian tour luke brian show and officially speaking on instagram if you'd like to keep up with us there you can also go and subscribe to the luke brian show youtube channel if you'd like to keep up with official business we are officialbusiness.us on both facebook and instagram thanks so much for pushing me to do this luke's luke's pushed me to do this podcast and uh, I got two out with Branch Ricky about a year ago now. And uh, now I'm getting to do this. So I, I owe a lot of that to Luke. And obviously I owe all of my travel for the last year and a half to Luke. Can't wait to tell you more about it. But while you're waiting for our next episode, go to Ump's Cast's first season before they drop their second one pretty soon here. Uh, along with Close Call Sports Podcast Plate Meeting. Uh, those are both great outfits. Um, you got anything to say, Luke? You good? Adios, muchachos. Chao bueno. Chao bueno. That is a good one. I do. Sure. I do like chao bueno. We yeah.
Yeah, we couldn't Americanize it anymore, could we? No.